0: This is ESPN Radio. We're not trying to rush away summer, but you're going to blink your eyes, and it's going to be foosball season. Like they say in the water, boy. Amber Wilson, Freddie coming together this morning on ESPN Radio, as well as the ESPN app. Series so like some Channel 80. Don't forget about us on ESPNU, presented by Progressive Insurance, because everybody's excited about the NFL's using Amber. She's a Miami Dolphins fan. She firmly believes Tua's talking about is going to stay healthy. Jalen Waddle's going to catch over 100 passes. So is Tyree Kill. They're going to challenge in the AFC. She's excited when it comes to Miami football in September. You could also say the same thing, Amber, about college football. And you know this as a Florida Gator fan, as a Florida Gator gal, what it means more in the SEC, especially in September, getting closer and closer and closer and closer.
1: Yeah, I'm a little less excited for the Gator season uh, with the schedule than I <laughs> For my you. Miami Dolphins season, but Billy Napier's the got them the going season.
0: in the right direction, though.
1: Yeah, well, listen, it's not about Napier even, or even about the talent that's on the team, uh, because his recruiting has actually uh, been quite good. It's yeah. not about that. It's about the schedule. I mean, the schedule is the worst, the hardest, easily in the entire SEC, in my opinion. So we have a we have a work cut out for us. Uh, the Gators certainly do this season. But I'm always excited for college football, and uh-huh. I'm always, 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 Freddie, excited for SEC football. Some. Yeah fried football, that is where my entire love and affection for sports begins.
0: <laughs> in my
1: life, college football was my first love.
0: Okay. Florida at the beginning or just college oh, football yeah. in general?
1: No, I've been going to Gators games since. I grew up about two and a half hours south of Gainesville. So I've been okay. going to Gators games. I was like one of those little babies, you know, in the little Gators cheerleader outfit. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been going to Gators games with my dad since long before I could walk.
0: Wow. Well, believe me, plenty of people, especially like you mentioned, In the SEC, with all those coaches and all that history, and especially when you know that somebody's going to say something at SEC Media Days, that's going to have everybody losing their minds. I give you Lane Kiffin, the Ole Miss (laughs) head coach. There's no shock here, and I've known Lane for more than a minute, believe me. I guess it's gotten to the point that I'm not surprised when he says something. Amber, I'm surprised if he doesn't say anything because that's just who he is. He does not mind poking bears and everything like that. Yesterday, he talked about that the state of college football is a disaster because he says NIL is legalized what, Lane Kiffin?
2: Just like when everybody was like, oh, we got this NIL, it's great. And then, um, you know, in this portal, it's great. Whoa. Like, And I'm not saying I was the only one saying, I'm like, well, this is a disaster coming because you just legalized cheating. And you just told donors, they can pay the players. That's what you did. And then, you know, it's supposed to be set up. Well, it's really for your name, image, likeness for your marketing. Again, that's not what happened. That's not what's happening. They're getting paid to go to school. So it's paid for play.
0: I'm not going to say, Amber, that he doesn't have a point. Because he does, depending on the program, depending on the conference, to be honest with you, depending on the coach and depending on the money that's out there when it comes to NIL. I'm not going to say that he's wrong when it comes to that. But it can sound hypocritical for a guy, coming from a guy, that this year is going to make over $8 million to coach college football. And the next year will make over $8.6 million to coach college football. And the year after that, to make over $9 million coaching college football. If we want to talk about legalized cheating, many people can look at coaches' salaries and say, that's kind of the same thing when it comes to NIL, what he's talking about college football being a disaster when it comes to money and that money line.
1: Well, none of it's cheating. NIL isn't cheating. There's nothing about cheating that's involved in NIL. I think it's such a shift in terms of the system. It has dramatically changed the face of college football. It's why people fought against it for so long because they were concerned and scared of those changes. And it's made the job of being a college football coach much harder if you're not at a school with incredibly deep pockets in terms of The boosters what Lane Kiffin's right about is the fact that NIL has basically become though a system that it probably wasn't intended to be where for many many years we were discussing how it's absolutely ludicrous that these kids are not allowed to benefit off of their own names images and likenesses there are a lot of complications when we talk about a straight pay for play system that would come from the university itself paying the players for their services. You get into a lot of problems with the other sports. You get into title nine implications. There's a lot that goes into that. What doesn't go into that though, is if it's in a completely outside system and it should have been, Hey, the local car wash wants absolutely. the player, you know, player X to come and do an appearance here and they pay player X, X amount of dollars in order to make that appearance, whatever. The fact that that wasn't allowed for so many years is absolutely ridiculous. But what has happened is not that, I mean, That has happened in part. But what has happened that Lane Kiffin is referring to is this whole other outside system of what essentially becomes an outside system of pay-to-play, where you have these booster collectives who are alumni of the universities and they have incredibly deep pockets and they pool their money together in the form of millions and millions and millions of dollars, and they just pay students to come play for their football program. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what ends up happening. They're not paying. A player for their name, image, or likeness, they're paying a player to play for their university that they are a booster of. And that's what these booster collectives has done. That's what Lane Kiffin is referring to. He's not entirely wrong. Now, it's not cheating. I don't see the cheating component of that. It is a very different system than the one we used to have. And it is frankly a different system than the one that was probably intended by the legalization of name, image, and likeness. So is there a means for those booster collectives to be reined in is that actually a problem in terms of competitiveness for college football it's still a little early to tell right now there still has been parity in college ball I know Lane Kiffin's point in his comments was that the competitive nature is going to be shifted and that there's not going to be any parity in college football if it ends up tilting that direction do we see some sort of correction here We know the NCAA is largely a powerless organization. Mm -hmm. And so that factors into this. You have coaches going to Washington to try to get the government involved from a federal perspective because they're frustrated by this system and what's happened with these booster collectives. It's not an easy answer, though, because the NCAA doesn't have the power now to do anything about it. Is the government going to bother? And should the government, frankly, spend its time to do anything about this? And is it even a real problem that these – booster collectives end up paying these players. Because at the end of the day, of course, it's a massive benefit to the student-athlete.
0: Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman together this morning on ESPN Radio and ESPNU. I'll share my thoughts on what you just said. I have here with Paul Feinbaum, host of the Paul Feinbaum Show. When he was on Feinbaum,
2: Paul! I'm telling you, George, is going to be the best ever, Paul! No, it's not going to be there, there, Paul!
0: When Paul Feinbaum was on SportsCenter, oh, we're going to get killed for that already. I can see it happening right now this is what he had to say about what Lane Kiffin had to say about NIL making college football a disaster.
3: I I, I laughed my way through the whole conversation. Uh, I mean, Lane Kiffin's really upset. He's legalized cheating. Players can leave at a moment's notice. I mean, he's the same guy that – left Tennessee in the middle of the night to go to Southern Cal and spent most of November while his team, as you pointed out, was losing five of its last six, talking to Auburn, and then leveraging that for a $10 million deal. I mean, we all admire Lane Kiffany's fun on Twitter, but come on, Lane. Uh, the NIL is a story that is long past acting outraged about. We know it's a mess. Thank you very much. Now, why don't you try to win a big game, okay?
0: Ouch. Paul went savage and whole ham when it comes to Lane Kiffin, not that he was wrong what he said about Lane Kiffin. Two things well, there's about-
1: a reason that Paul went savage, though, too, Freddie, because yeah. Lane had taken a shot at him well, in his press conference. Yeah. He had said, we have Feinbaum out here firing up Nick Saban, doubting well, him once again, and well, Feinbaum's always wrong. So thanks for that, Paul. And so now, of course, you have Paul Feinbaum taking well, low-key shots at Lane Kiffin.
0: Well, the difference is he brought receipts when it comes to Lane Kiffin because he was right about Lane Kiffin not winning big games last year. So Lane can get all heard about that, but... Paul bought receipts, and Lane didn't like it, so that that back and forth is going to continue. Lane Kiffin brought up something that has to be talked about in terms of NIL, transfer portal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. College coaches hate losing two things, money and power, and they know they don't have it anymore when it comes to power. They have all this money, but kids are letting them know, hey, if you don't treat me right, if you get my nose turned sideways, I'm going to be looking to go somewhere else because you guys did it all these years. If you want to go to a bigger program for more money, and even if people got turned sideways, you didn't care. You hop, skipped and jumped to a different program. So now they don't like the fact that kids have that kind of power that they can do that. And I'm not saying that the transfer portal is great for college football or NIL. Believe me, college football is in a really difficult kind of crossroads when it comes to both of those entities that are affecting their sport but it's really hypocritical that you come out and say what a disaster college football has been because players are having the same rights and freedoms to do what you've always done, what you've always had a chance to do as college football coaches. That's why it comes off as hypocritical what, what Lane Kivan had to say. That's number one. Number two, if you're college football, the last thing you need is the government getting involved. The la- if you can't figure this out as college football coaches – basketball, whatever, it comes to NIL transfer portal and put those kind of rules and regulations in and you want the United States government to help you, that's a Pandora's box that you do not want to open if you're big-time college athletics. And don't think for one second, Amber, that Lane Kiffin doesn't know that because you do not want the government messing in your affairs if you want the government to try to find a way to fix this when it comes to NIL and the transfer portal.
1: I don't agree that the transfer portal is not good for college football. I actually think it's been pretty great because I do think that it actually in some way balances out what we've seen with NIL when we're talking about parity and when we're talking about these players who don't get a shot being allowed to move. I'm sure it's incredibly difficult when you're a coach and now they're not having to just navigate recruiting, but they're having to navigate recruiting the transfer students as well, right? So it's kind of opened up this whole different area that they have to add to their litany of lists of responsibilities, and it's hard to be a college football coach. So I get the frustration there from Lane Kiffin, but I think from the fan perspective, the transfer portal has actually been a good thing. And certainly from the student athlete perspective, you want them to be able to have that freedom. You understand why they themselves want the same freedom in terms of where they get to be that every other college student in the entire world has who doesn't play sports and all these coaches have as well with NIL, it's a lot more complicated. It is more complicated. Even Paul Feinbaum said in his bite that it is a mess. And the reason it's a mess is because it is still the wild, wild west. Mm -hmm. And I do think at some point you have to find some way to institute rules beyond just every individual state and every individual university having their own rules, which it's like right now because – It's actually not coaches being powerless. It's certain coaches being incredibly powerful because again, these booster collectives behind these coaches, Jimbo Fisher's booster collective at Texas a and I mean, you're talking millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars with all the oil money. There's a reason those recruiting classes are so good. It's why Nick Saban was frustrated about it for a while because for a while, the state of Alabama had a law in its legislature that booster collectives in the state of Alabama could not exist when it first enacted its NIL laws, it quickly changed that mm-hmm. in less than a year because it realized it was bring, being a huge competitive disadvantage to Nick Saban, who then started losing out on all the recruits to the other schools, like the Georges and the Texas A&Ms of the world, because he couldn't have a booster collective. So now he has a booster collective behind him. It's given them a lot of power where they remain powerless is the smaller schools who don't have that ability. You don't have the alumni with millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, the way this system works right now, Mattress Mac just put, in Texas just put like a some obscene amount of millions into a bank account for the basketball team there it's all an advantage to the student athlete don't get me wrong it's all great for them it gets them paid but you can see from the coaching perspective where there's some complexities here in navigating all of that and where maybe it would at some point here really change the parity in all of the sports across the board. We're not just talking football when we're talking these booster collectives yeah. in NIL. Yeah,
0: I guarantee you a lot of coaches would like to have the old days back when in terms of if a booster paid a guy money under the table and nobody knew about it, that always seemed to solve a lot of problems <laughs> back in the day. But now everybody knows and everybody wants to show, which means sure. that college football got to continue to manage that landscape. And believe me, That is definitely turbulent waters when it comes to that on and off the field. You
1: need rich alumni. You need rich well, alumni.
0: You need rich alumni or people that you're connected with that are rich that may not be alumni of that school. If you're, right. babe, if you're able I'm, to manage that. I'm trying that,
1: University of Florida. I'm trying Gators. I'm trying. I, she is. Okay? She's, when she's, I'm Stephen A. Smith.
0: Yeah, she's trying to help it's NIL coming. to help them in the <laughs> SEC when it comes to UF. Amber Wilson's trying to do that, <laughs> that Amber for Wilson Florida is a Gators. collective.
1: You got to give me a little bit more time though,
0: and, You know, contribute to the it's Amber Wilson Venbo Fund for Florida football. Give it to the feels good so we can compete with Georgia and Alabama in the <laughs> SEC. Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman together. Thanks for joining us this morning on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 and ESPNU. As a matter of fact, speaking of college football, <laughs> Margaret P. Battersby Black from Levin and Percanti, representing the Northwestern players, will be joining Greeny on ESPN Radio tomorrow morning at 1020 a.m. with Michelle Smallman and Chris Canty filling in, that is, this morning at 1020 on ESPN Radio. Keep your calls coming in. I will like to see the Jets' season play out. Are they going to contend or pretend Crash and burn or succeed at 888 espn eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Plus, this whole Kate Gate thing that's started by somebody, Charmaine nameless, Amber Wilson, <laughs> has got me in some sort of way. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. With Amber Wilson, I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN app. Series X and Channel 80, don't forget about us on ESPN. ESPNU. Or oh, we're going to get to your calls in a couple of seconds at 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Play you want to wait about the Jets' season. Will it be crash and burn, or will they actually contend in a loaded AFC? And speaking of crashing and burning, I don't bury people's lists. But Amber Wilson, but you're about and Huck, to? no, 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 I'm not gonna bury it. But the Amber Wilson cake, her list of the top five cakes. I don't have an issue with anybody's confections. Mm-hmm. If whatever you like is whatever you like, mm-hmm. the one that I circled, Amber, flourless chocolate cake.
1: You know what's bizarre to me is that's the most controversial one. And that was number one on my list. So yeah. we, we ended up in this world of top five cakes because, first of all, it's July. Uh, and True. that's what you do on sports radio in July. But second of all, because Nick Saban had revealed that mm-hmm. his favorite type of cake was carrot cake. He had made a reference yep. to his quarterback controversy being like his grandmother baking a cake when he was growing up. It yes. takes time. You have to allow it to cook properly. If you take it out too early, it's going to be gooey, whatever. So then somebody asked him the journalistic follow-up. Of what's your favorite cake? Says carrot cake, and I said, well, carrot cake would be on my list of top okay. five cakes. And so then, of course, that begged the question: What's Amber's top five cakes? So uh-huh. The question that I don't think anybody asked for, but you got <laughs> it anyways, America. It, it was the, the
0: it, you're the heroine we always knew we needed, <laughs> but never thought about. <laughs> and on the
1: very top of my list was flourless chocolate cake because I love chocolate, love chocolate, so and do I don't I. really love cake. Okay, frankly, I'm not a big cake person. Like pie over cake any day of the week for me. I'm not a huge sweets person generally. Right. Joe Fortenbaugh was chastising me about me not being the authority on this subject. He's probably right. I mean, I've hardly eaten an unhealthy (laughs) carb in the last, like, 15 years of my life. Nevertheless, when I have (laughs) eaten cake, it Uh, is typically, if I'm cheating, to go for a flourless chocolate cake. Because that, to me, is less cake-like and more chocolate-like. And I like a dense, rich, dark chocolate.
0: Okay, but the the flour makes the whole thing.
1: No, the it doesn't, because cake's not that great. Like, Well, what, see, you're not miss- a cake
0: person. That's why. Yeah, like, I get it. Yeah,
1: like regular chocolate cake? Lo- mm. Miss me with it. No, no? not me.
0: You no. give me like a deep chocolate cake with the chocolate icing? Oh, my goodness. No. A you got me at hello.
1: A lot of people were nominating a German yeah. chocolate cake. No,
0: I'm not a fan of that. I don't like that.
1: Which I guess has coconut flakes on top yeah. of it. See, I'm not a coconut fan. Yeah, icing all throughout. I'm yeah. a coconut and chocolate fan, but I'm not like a coconut and chocolate cake person. Yeah. It's, it's the yeah. cake component of it. Yeah. That I, frankly, yeah. just don't care for yeah, that much. Yeah,
0: my favorite cake is, and my mom makes it, but my Aunt Lucy Bell makes it in Springfield, Massachusetts. Caramel icing double layer cake.
1: Okay, that sounds that sounds pretty glorious. Don't I it, do th- love caramel. Don't it,
0: believe me, it, it'll make the angels weep.
1: Like <laughs> I'm my telling savory. you right now. So my favorite carrot cake, because a lot of people find right. carrot cake to be controversial, which right. was Nick's My Eden's wife Denise loves cake. carrot
0: cake. She likes carrot cake.
1: Well, it, c- it can be amazing. And my favorite carrot cake ever was at this restaurant when I used to live in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and it was a caramel Carrot cake, oh, and it was like just oh, gooey man. and ridiculous, and had caramel in between the layers of. Wow, it was amazing. I want to take that cheese ice cream. I want
0: to take that off for a date right
1: yeah.
0: now. Yeah, <laughs> mm, caramel carrot cake. I'm not really a carrot. That cake date fan, would go better I than have-
1: Mikey C's date when well, last a, night that's a we whole started other- off the show would
0: We would not have to worry about our carrot cake ghosting us to go <laughs> swimming. Like what happened to Mikey C, poor thing. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Triple H. Somebody even, Mark Zeno, our uh, buddy, he goes, Now let's deal with your cake problems. That's when he hit us up on Twitter <laughs> at Everett W Sports and the ESPN.
1: <laughs> Mark, <laughs> we're supposed to be building our friendship, buddy. Exactly,
0: not tearing it down per, based on cake and swimming and dates and everything like that. By the way, speaking of swimming, are the Jets gonna swim in deep waters, meaning contending the AFC? Or are they going to crash and burn? Triple HSA ESPN, 888-729-3776. The Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman know right now on ESPN Radio. Kevin in Florida, what you got to say about the Jets season coming up? Now to Aaron Rodgers is in green.
2: Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Hope everybody's doing well. Thank you. Um, I had one thing to say, but listen to the last segment about Lane Kiffin. The view of all of the uh, – Lane Kiffin's view is what the actual disaster is. But having said all that, I wanted to chime in on the Jets of the pretenders versus contenders thing. I'm a huge fan of the Jets, but to take a note out of Joe Namath's playbook, um, I want to guarantee the Jets make the playoffs. I think they have the capability to make uh, a deep run, but I even guarantee they will not win the Super Bowl. (laughs) Um, I just want to know your thoughts on that.
0: I'm with you. I'm a Jets fan, and thank you for the call, Kevin and Florida, and the kind words as well. I hope I'm going to be completely wrong. I think they'll make the playoffs, Amber. I can see this being a 10-win team and getting into the playoffs, but contending in a rough AFC, I'm not ready to go – on that branch of that tree yep, with the New York Jets.
1: I mean, it better be a 10-win team, right? Like They better make a postseason or that New York media is going to have a feeding fest. That's the reality of the situation. But I said, I mean, the most likely scenario here is that they're very good and they make a postseason and then they don't win any sort of championship. Like That is the most likely scenario. They are in a stacked division in a stacked conference. And I asked Jeff Darlington yesterday on air, what's more likely them to miss a postseason or win a Super Bowl? Right. And at first he said, said win a Super Bowl and then he talked for like five minutes and he talked all the way around back to talking himself into Mm -hmm. missing a postseason is actually more likely because it's a stacked AFC
0: yeah and believe me with their defense Brees Hall coming back at the offensive line can fix some questions they will definitely contend not just in the AFC East but in the AFC but we'll see if they can answer those questions once the season gets started there's another quarterback out there that has everybody feeling confident about him and his team even though they did not win five games
2: last year who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight? La Quinta. Tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com
3: for the ones who get it done. Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickGranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: This is ESPN Radio.
0: Oh, Justin Fields is feeling himself. He's saying there are going to be big things from him and the Chicago Bears in 2023 after only winning three games in 2022 going to bass of justin fields amber wilson freddie cohen together presented by progressive insurance on espn radio as well as the espn app series x and channel 80 and espnu let's talk about that and other nfl matters with our man jeff darlington does a great job as always as an espn nfl reporter hit him on twitter at jeff darlington jeff justin fields says he's going to be the first bears quarterback to throw for over 4,000 yards this year What are you saying about that confidence from him after a team that only won three games in
3: 2022? Yeah. I mean, I respect the confidence. I'm never going to hate on a man for being, for being overconfident, but I'm still, you know, I think I'm still in wait and see mode with Justin Fields. Like he's done everything right. He's obviously shown that he's incredible with his feet. And, and I think that he's obviously trending in the right direction with his arm. Um, you know, for, I, I believe that he can do it 4,000 yards. I, I don't think that that's – I think he's setting a nice, a nice goal for himself. And I think there's a lot of people that expect him to kind of suddenly make the turn here to becoming a top-tier quarterback. Um, but generally speaking, I, I'm still in uh, show-me-don't-tell-me mode with the Bears in general.
1: Well, we all are, I think, with the Bears <laughs> in general. The problem is, Jeff, he's not Eberfluss' guy. He's not Ryan Pohl's guy. So, how much pressure is there this season on Justin Fields?
3: You know what? Um, I, I think, yeah, yes, there's a lot of pressure. I don't know if it's for that reason. Like, I think about um, Jalen Hurts. Like, Jalen Hurts wasn't necessarily while he, why he was Howie Roseman's guy, he wasn't Nick Sirianni's guy. Uh, when Sirianni got there, uh, right. a, a, by any means, I think Sirianni was going in there like, all right, we'll see what we got with this guy, and and quickly realized um, that Hertz's work ethic and willingness to continuously improve, which uh, he still has yet to even um, dip at all in that regard, uh, you know, I, I think it showed that that he's Sirianni's guy now. So Justin Fields can get there with these guys. I I, I don't think that they are looking at this with skeptical eye. I think they are also of the mindset that Justin feels. We've seen what he done. We, we put a – this is his second year in the same system, which he's never really had before. Uh, we saw what they did with his footwork last year, and it seems like this coaching staff is investing in him like he is exactly their guy.
0: Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter, always gracious by, by him to stop by to join Freddie Coleman and Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio. Jordan Love is now the guy when it comes to Green Bay mm-hmm. Packers. I'm sure Packers fans are saying either finally or, oh, my God. What are your thoughts about Jordan Love taking over Aaron Rodgers and maybe getting this team into the playoffs post Aaron Rodgers?
3: I mean, I would be skeptical. I, I wouldn't necessarily be convinced that the Packers were playoff bound even with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. Um, so, I, you know, I, I feel the same with Jordan Love as the quarterback. I, I don't know if they're built to be, in, especially in the division that, is really improving. Where you've got, we talked about the Bears getting better. The Lions seemingly a, a sleeper team this year, or maybe not even a sleeper anymore. Uh, the Vikings, obviously one of those teams where they're always in it, uh, if if uh, if not a crazy postseason threat. So it's going to be difficult for the Packers to get in, no matter what. And anybody tells you that they know what's going to happen with Jordan Love as the starting quarterback. I think is is being a little biased there in either direction. We just haven't seen him. There's no body of work, right? Uh, and and so as such, it's kind of wait and see mode.
1: What does need to get done in terms of Jordan Love, in terms of that coaching staff and that front office? What do you think Jordan Love needs to do this season in order to prove to them that they all made the right decision in this era after Aaron Rodgers is going to be Mm -hmm. just fine, even if they're not actually, in your opinion, necessarily going to have postseason success?
3: Yeah, we'll know. I mean, Matt LaFleur, I think already out of the gates this offseason, I remember being at the league meetings and LaFleur was basically saying right away, like, hey, we all have to have appropriate expectations for Jordan Love. Uh, and, and that is fair. And I appreciate exactly why LaFleur is saying that. At the same time, look, when you kind of, and not him, the organization, and in, in, says we're going this direction, and they can say all day, all, all they want that, you know, Aaron Rodgers chose this Direction they did too. You know, this is this is part of their plan when they drafted Jordan Love, and at this point he's three years in. I mean he's he was drafted a year before Justin Fields, right? So yeah. like, the the expectations are deservedly high, and he's got to show immediately that he is a franchise guy. I think we will know when we see it. Um, I'm not saying he's got to go out and be a Super Bowl winner by any means. But I think I think he's got to certainly prove that he is a franchise quarterback.
0: Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter with Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio and ESPNU. Uh, I can't believe we've gotten this far and not mentioned Aaron Rodgers, to you. took about six seven I minutes, but we actually got well, a we chance. Tried. We did we try. We did, we did yeah. kind of go over there, but we knew we were going to get Tough back here. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> of Aaron Rodgers. If I save the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, even with an offensive line that is in question but uh-huh. weapons on the outside, we know how great that defense can potentially be. Does Jeff Johnson think the New York Jets in 2023 are a contender or a pretender and why?
3: Contender. Absolutely. And it's because of the quarterback. Uh, this, this, I agree that this team was a plug-and-play quarterback away from being a true playoff contender. Uh, they're in a brutal division and I don't think that we're going to see a division in the AFC with three teams coming out of it into the playoffs because there's several brutal t- divisions. I mean, you've got it, it, when you just look at the Bengals, Browns, Ravens, and Steelers, like that's a team. That's another division that could have um, certainly two teams coming out of it. So I, I just don't think that even if the Jets are a 12-13 win team, they're still going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Right. But I do believe that this team has the makeup, the championship qualities. Okay. Uh, to really make some noise this season.
1: Okay. The AFC East is obviously stacked with contenders, but let's talk stacked. about the NFC because we had to rank our Super Bowl contenders and I struggled Jeff to even name eight. I was like, do I have to have somebody in the N- like does somebody from the NFC right. have to go to yeah. the Super Bowl, you we know? Said, can, we, yeah. <laughs> can we change the rules, you know? No. And apparently somebody from the NFC has right. to go to the Super Bowl. So outside of the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles, give me two teams if I make you choose two that you think are true contenders this season.
3: All right, so the 49ers, I think for sure, um, they're just built. Kyle Shanahan's always going to build a, a contender, and I actually think that Brock Birdie will pick up where he left off. I, I still wonder what would have happened in that game if he didn't hurt his elbow. Uh, it would have been a much closer game, even if even if ultimately the same outcome. Uh, so, all right, Eagles, 49ers. Hey. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. That's Cowboys. Why I made
3: you choose two? Cowboys. Who That's is why I made like, You, you gonna go two. Cowboys? Like I'm not putting my name on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Just <laughs> like. I'm like really. Who is it? Is it the? Is it the Vikings?
0: No. I know. No. Not I without
3: Dalvin it. Cook. No. No. I mean, who? Mm-hmm. Like really? Seahawks are. I think were a nice story last year. I think they'll continue to be a good team, but I can't put them as a Super Bowl contender. It is crazy. You could name off. Eight teams in the AFC that wouldn't surprise me if they got to the Super Bowl. And in the NFC, like, I dare throw out teams uh, with, with, uh, without a major disclaimer on them. Are really? You, who do yeah, you guys – who do you think?
0: I, I mean, some
1: people would yeah. say the Lions. I'm not one of those people, right? I
0: think, yeah, they, I, I think, I think they, they win a the division. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean,
3: it's going to be what whatever team gets hot at the end of the year kind sure. of – you know when like the Giants won their two Super Bowls how they just kind of caught on at the end? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a team like that. I just I don't know outside of the Eagles and the 49ers what team that would be. Yeah,
0: We're completely with you on that one. I think to me, honestly, it's the 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys, and then everybody else in the NFC. And I don't know how confident I am, Jeff and Amber, by putting that out there. That is those three and everybody yeah. else in the NFC. Either way, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I
3: mean, you put your name on it. I'm not doing it. (laughs) Thanks.
0: Just leave me out here on (laughs) the island by myself. Thank you. I thought we were friends, but apparently not anymore. (laughs) 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 Always appreciate you, Jeff, man. Take care, my friend. Have a good weekend, too. Thanks, guys. Jeff Johnson, ESPN NFL reporter. Always enjoy having him here. Hit him on Twitter at Jeff Johnson. Joining Freddie Coleman and Amber Wilson. Speaking of Twitter, at Coleman ESPN and Amber W Sports, we got a couple of people wanting to weigh in about Mikey C, one of our producers behind the scenes, (laughs) was supposed to have gone on a date last night with a young lady and the young lady said that she decided to go swimming. She would call him later. She didn't get in contact with him later. Well, a couple of people want to weigh in. Comedian says, I am dying listening to you talk about your coworker getting ghosted on his date. He also said Amber's breakdown was priceless. because Amber said, hey, this is why she did it. But comedian wants to know, Amber, can you provide some dating advice for guys out there trying to make sure they don't get ghosted? like Mikey C.
1: But just dating advice generally of how not to get ghosted.
0: Whatever you want. That
1: seems a little bit more complicated. Uh, Dating (laughs) advice generally. I feel like I need to know more about this individual who wants this advice to tell him how to put his best foot forward in order to not get ghosted. Uh I don't think it's anything that Mikey C did wrong. It's just that she woke up this yesterday morning rather because her date was supposed to be last night. She woke up yesterday morning and she got cold feet. That's the reality. She just started thinking, I don't really want to go on this date tonight. You know, she wakes up in the morning like, man, I don't really want to do this. I don't want to deal with the stress of getting ready or meeting a new guy, Mm. whatever the case may be. Uh So she gave herself an out. She said, hey, I might be a little bit late at the pool today because apparently – swimming is of the utmost importance to her and maybe that's part of her workout routine. So she thought I might be late. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it. She gave herself a buffer there, gave herself an out and then she utilized it and she ghosted him the rest of the day. Some
2: people say I was a little passive aggressive when she told me she might be late because she was swimming. I responded with, well, if you want to go swimming instead of hang out with me, we can make it another time.
1: Oh,
2: no. Oh, I guess I should have told you that part.
0: Oh, no. Why did you wait until now to give us that kind of intel? Well,
1: because oh, because if she went to go go of... oh my god, I ghost you. Oh no, that's whatever. way too pat. No, there's wow. okay. All right, here's my dating but advice. I yeah, did explain right after that. I did say.
2: I wouldn't mind, but I have to work early tomorrow. I'm doing morning show at 5am no, no, no. or I wouldn't care.
1: It doesn't okay. matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what came after that. There's no coming back from yeah. if you'd rather go swimming than a date You gave me. her
0: the option.
1: Unless you were being funny, and it didn't come across as funny, I assure you it, that. It, it came never across does as on the text aggressive. or Twitter. Well, it, it never
0: does. So it my didn't. best
1: yeah. dating advice for you is, yeah. man, you've got to walk that line uh. between being cool as a cucumber, but also still seeming interested enough. Because if mm-hmm. you don't seem interested enough, then the girl's gonna ghost you, and if you seem too interested, then the girl's gonna ghost you. And what Mikey just did by mm. being passive aggressive yeah. is you not come across out. cool at all whatsoever. And so she's like, "Nah, this dude, he's too much drama. I can't. He's not cool. He's he's too into this. I'm all out."
5: All right, that's great. That's great advice for the regular guy. But right. when we go to break. Can you give Mikey advice for Mikey? For Mikey, <laughs> yeah. Because like, regular, regular guys, yeah.
0: no. But Mikey needs Mikey C advice. That's what there's a don't difference. don't be passive aggressive. Yeah, that, that there you go. Be strong. Be firm.
1: You have to act like you don't care. Like you have to be uh-huh. like, oh, okay, well, you, you know, I get it. No big deal. I'm busy tonight too. I have to wake yep. up early. Let me know if you want to reschedule yep. sometime. Act like you know what. Like I'm responding, so I'm yep. interested enough to respond. But I'm gonna keep it moving. I got things going on uh-huh. in my life. I ain't sweating this, yeah. honey. And then, and then all of a, see, of a sudden, she's intrigued. She's yep. like, oh, this dude. Uh-huh. He's got other options.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's just like I love it, uh, you it,
1: having other it, options. It's
0: just like by a sign with Elaine, one of the day the guy Fred that didn't want to be bothered with her, and she was on a crusade and it worked because there was no way he was in her league no right. way but he kept not doesn't paying matter. attention didn't want to be bothered with her and she was on a crusade oh like, it's
1: so intriguing like if you're yeah. a woman and you walk into a room and every dude looks at you and it's the one guy who doesn't you're like huh what's wrong what's, what's wrong, wrong with, with him? him yeah and then you're like wait a minute what yeah. What is wrong with him? Uh-huh. It's, it's never <laughs> Why what's wrong doesn't with. Doesn't he
0: dig it? It's never what's wrong with you. That's how it's what's do. wrong with him, <laughs> <laughs> not the other way around. What's wrong with her? No, it's what's wrong with me sometimes. Not what's wrong with her when it comes to guys. This guys and girls talk, brought to you by Mikey C, Freddie Cooper, Amber Wilson here on ESPN Radio. <laughs> I'm having to do
1: this all. Oh, show absolutely.
0: Long. Hey, if area. you want, if you want more dating advice from an experienced person like yourself, like yours, truly, Amber Wilson, hit us up uh, on experience.
1: Twitter. Experienced? Hey, too experienced. Let us take it down yeah, and not. I'm not
0: saying too. Exper- that's not what I'm saying. Don't put words in my mouth. But if you want dating advice, we'll be glad to give the it to right you. right
1: amount of experience.
0: It's, it's like Amber W. Sports, her handle, my handle, at Coleman ESPN. And the NFLPA president gave advice <laughs> to an NFL running back that was probably not a good idea. Maybe you should have given Mikey C. dating advice, but we'll dig- that we digress. That's next on ESPN Radio and ESPN U.
2: who not want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is ESPN Radio. So now what for Saquon
0: Barkley? Will he sit out? Will he hold out? Will he play? All those questions yet to be answered. Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman together, thanks for joining us this morning on ESPN Radio, as well as the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80, and ESPNU. Well, one person, Amber Wilson gave Saquon Barkley a little piece of advice how to handle this situation. He is JC Treader, president of the NFL Players Association. When he was on the Ross Ross Tucker podcast, excuse me, he talked about, "If you're Saquon Barkley, this is how you get leverage back in your situation.
6: You need to try to create as much leverage as you possibly can in in any situation." And that's the tough thing with the franchise tag or being restricted in movement as it decreases your leverage, but then you have to find creative ways to build leverage elsewhere. Um, I think we've seen issues now. I don't think anybody would ever say they were fake injuries, but we've seen players who um, didn't want to be where they currently are, um, have injuries that made them uh, unable to practice and play. um, But you're not able to get fined and you're not able to be punished for not reporting um, so there are issues like that. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think I'm allowed to ever recommend that, um, but or at least publicly. But I, I think each player needs to find a way to build up leverage to try to get a fair deal, and that's really what all these guys are looking for: is to be compensated fairly.
1: That was some real honesty and some mm-hmm. real transparency there from JC Treader, who said, "I can't publicly." Say yep. that I'm recommending faking injuries. We know what he's saying privately, mm-hmm. and the reality is these guys don't have to fake injuries. They're running backs, right, Freddie? They get beat up all season long. Yep. So the key here is that maybe you milk it a little bit, right? Like we see this with NBA players, you know. Uh-huh. The, The hammy's acting up for James Harden a little extra. It's not that he doesn't have any hamstring issues at all. He's been playing in the league forever. He's got an incredible usage rate. And because of that, you know, the hammy acts up a little extra. And it's the same thing in the NFL. All Mm -hmm. these guys that play football... They've got some tweaks. They've got some strains, right? It it hurts to be an NFL player. And so you have one that hurts a little bit more when it's convenient for you. And like Treader just said, that's your way out of the fines. Because if you don't show up at all, you're going to get fined. And there goes your money. But if it's just a Saquon, he gets into the season or he's playing in training camp here, tweaks something in camp, you know, maybe plays week one. And then after that, it's like, "Ah, I've got some soreness in my knee. I'm a 26-year-old running back. It's what happens. Mm -hmm. The problem with the situation for a Saquon or a Josh Jacobs utilizing this won't be the bank account that becomes the problem. It will be the next contract that becomes the problem. Because the reason that we're here largely is already that concern of the body breaking down for these running backs by the time these guys are only in their mid-20s, which is what we're talking about when we're talking about Saquon Barkley. Mm -hmm. And so then for him to go out and tell us, that his body is, air quotes, breaking down. That's the risk you're running. After a season of doing that, your bank account might look okay. You're getting that money from that franchise tag. You're getting that $10.1 million, and you're not contributing to the Giants in the manner in which they want. But are the Giants then going to about face and go, you know what, you're right, we made a mistake. We should pay you all this money when you just told us you had all these injuries all season long. Or will any other team, if they don't franchise him again, that's the risk.
0: The Giants have told Saquon Barkley this they rather quibble over $1.5 to $2 million and not get a deal done with you, even though you're really important. But they'd rather give $82 million in guaranteed money to an adequate quarterback in Daniel Jones. That's basically the message that they told him. Anything that he can do is going to be used against him. If he plays, they're going to say, you're one year closer to your due date when it comes to being an effective running back. If you don't play, well, that means he's not committed to the team. Why would you, why would you want to be invested in that guy? no matter what he decides to do, it's going to be used against him. The Giants have told him that. They'd rather give Daniel Jones an adequate quarterback, $82 million in guaranteed money, but they won't give you that 1.5 to 2 million that could have gotten this whole deal done with Saquon Barkley getting a long-term contract. And he knows that. And that's why he's like, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. You mentioned before we got started today, Amber, that you would not want to be Saquon Barkley being his shoes. For all the things you said and all the things I'm saying right now, No matter what he does, because of the reality that as a running back in the NFL, it's going to be used against him because it's already happening now with the New York Giants in this situation.
1: Except for showing up and playing and making $10.1 million. And it it doesn't excuse where we're at with the state of the running back position. And I understand where it is in comparison to the other positions in the league. And that sucks for running backs. But at the same time, we are talking about a job where if he does show up and he does play, yeah. it's $10.1 million. That's why he's right? going to show up week you know, one. It's not he's minimum gonna, wage. Yeah, he's like, going to
0: show up week one because and, of what you just said.
1: Right, And I know it's all relative, but... It's 10.1 million dollars. Like everyone's on this campaign right now feeling so 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 bad for running backs. It's 10.1 million like maybe feel bad for sports radio hosts. It's yeah. 10.1 wow. million dollars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Amber locking it in. Will Saquon be in the field for the Giants in Week One? We believe he will. By the way, locking in is brought to you by Gorilla for the toughest jobs on planet Earth. You want to have a Venmo account that makes sure radio hosts get paid more money? I'm sure Amber will have that available for you on ABCW Sports on her Twitter handle. Saquon is not done when it comes to the NFL, but another guy is that's no longer in the NFL. We'll tell you who that is next. This is ESPN Radio. More next.